Hey, what's up everybody? It's Poppin Marco here and I'm here on behalf of Urban Artistry and Funkin' Focus for the Dance and Dialogue podcast and for the Boogaloo traditions. So today we have a special gift for you guys. We have straight from Oakland, member of the SS Enterprise, the OG himself, William Bilo, aka Boogaloo Bill. Googleville, thank you so much for being here with us. We, you have no idea how much I was looking forward for this. And well, shall we start? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you. So I'll start with a very, very easy question for you. So okay. today we'll talk a lot about tradition and history and legacy. Mm -hmm. So I ask you to tell us a little bit, when did you get started on boogalooing and how were you introduced to this? Like who were your mentor or mentors? Mm -hmm. And when you first saw it, it wasn't a cipher on TV on, or anything else. Just mm -hmm. tell us. Your okay. Um, I'm originally from San Francisco, California, and I moved over to Oakland when I was about nine or 10 years old. Um, I first saw the art form in uh, 1968, and I was inspired to start doing it uh, around 1969, 1970. Um, I graduated from elementary school, went to junior high school, and I got a little bit more um, of the flavor uh, when I got to um, junior high school, which is what you all now call middle school. Let me first back up and say that um, I'm 63 years old. I'll be 64 next year. Um, and so my, my terms and terminology might be a little dated, but that's the era that I come from. Um, but uh, I went to um, junior high school and got a little bit more exposure. And it really wasn't until I got to high school that I, I really got more of the urban feel because there were so many more dancers that were really, really good at it. Um, I started in a style, a very little known style called head snatching or head hunting. And um, it's very theatrical style. There was a lot of movement, a lot of sound, um, a lot of the movements that evolved into posing and hitting and then later on popping came from this particular style. Um, and this particular style has roots that date back to the 1950s. And that's another whole story. Um, but um, uh, I've, been I've been doing this thing probably since 1969, 1970. Um, on occasions when my health allows me to, so I, have, I have two artificial hips and th they hurt like crazy most of the time. But at any given moment when I have free time, when I'm not hurting, um, I turn on the music and go in the kitchen and I kind of do my thing. So um, the second coming of this for me is to pick up on the um, the um, historical piece of the, uh, excuse me, of the art. So most people who know me don't know me as Boogaloo Bill. They know me as William Bilal, the historian. So um, this is kind of the second half of of my dance career, you know, so to speak. So, um, is that pretty much what you were, what you were, what you were looking for? Yeah, that that oh, that was crazy, crazy information. Yeah. And well, since we were talking about your background when you started, mm -hmm. uh, I would like to know what crews were you in aside from SS Enterprise and. If you have any active crew or organization right now that you're mm -hmm. part of, and mm -hmm. enjoy the moment too to give a shout out to any other fellow Boogaloo you want. Okay, okay. Um, I have not been in any other crew except for SS Enterprise. Um, I started out in my era. Most of us started out. We all started out as uh, solo dancers. 
um, and um, coming into the funk era of uh, music, uh, which also precipitated bands and groups. Um, group style sort of, sort of took over. Um, and the art form itself graduated from, from the street, so to speak, to the stage. Because at that point, no one wanted to see one individual on stage for four minutes, you know, kind of doing this thing. So um, groups allowed there to be more activity, filled up more time, more space. Uh, and it took up more of the actual song. So the audience itself didn't get bored. Um, so we all kind of came from this solo background, started getting involved in uh, groups. Um, I, my group was formed in 1975. Actually, it's kind of a two-pronged because it started out as a two-man group when we started in 1971. And then when we booked our first show, uh, we decided to bring in a third member uh, and we had to come up with a name. So we just kept the same name and um, started performing on uh, stage. Um, let me see. Um, some performers that I'd like to shout out actually come from the era that I began in. Uh, and they're probably people that most will never, most have never heard of. Uh, but I'd like to start with a gentleman by the name of uh, Kenny Chambers. Um, I'd like to also say Donald, Donald Jones. Uh, Donald Jones is an original member of uh, Granny and the Robotroids. And his brother is Alfred Jones, who is also an original member of Granny and the Robotroids. Um, David DeBose, Leon Jones, who's no relation to Donald Jones, the Robinson brothers, the Lovett brothers, and my group member, whose name is Marlo Styles, and my other group member, rest in peace, he passed away two years ago, his name is Maurice Sapp. Uh, so those are the individuals that I'd like to give a shout out to. Um, I'm sorry, there was another part of your question that you asked. No, I guess that that was it all. Like if you have, if you are a part of a organization. A, a organization. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, myself uh, and four other, three other individuals uh, decided to put together an organization uh, to gather and uh, harness and to save the history and the culture of this art form called Boogaloo. Uh, so the name of the organization is called OBM, which is Original, Original Boogaloo Movement. Um, and in choosing the name, it's not us saying that we are the only original Boogaloos. It's a place where all of the OGs can come, post their videos, share their story, um, give historical information, um, and just make sure that it become that it gets documented so that if people want to know more about um, they have a place of um, reference. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the posts that I make uh, and all of the uh, historical information that's um, in them. Um, part of it for me is making sure that I'm not the number one single voice for the art form. Uh, I want everyone else to come in and you know be a part of it because I, I don't know everything. And unfortunately, we're all trying to draw memory from things that took place almost 50 years ago. So sometimes there's differences in times and dates. And so we like to try to incorporate those who were actually there uh, during specific times. Because I, of course, couldn't be in all places at all times. But um, that's, that's the basis of our organization. Uh, there's myself. There's um, Darren Hodges, Dub, who's a member of um, Gentlemen of Production. We have um, his brother. Uh, rest in peace, who passed away two years ago. I'm sorry. Boogaloo, Boogaloo Dan. Um, yeah. And then we have Dancer64, who is from Sacramento and is currently on YouTube and everything else, you know, doing this thing. So um, us four together decided to come together and uh, put this organization together. So um, 
So that's the name of the organization, the Regional Boogaloo Movement. Uh, and we're based out of Oakland. And you can go to, I have two pages. I have um, one that's um, called OBM, Legends of the Bay. And the other one is just Original Boogaloo Movement. So either one of those pages on Facebook, you could go to find out the information. One is free for you to post on. The other one is just to go in and look at, you know, all the information that's uh, being posted. Cool, cool. And mm -hmm. I have a question. It's not on the list, but okay. it's a personal question. Sure. I'm a huge fan of Star Trek. Uh -huh. And I have to notice the name of her crew, SS yes. Enterprise. So yes. why and how did you guys got to this name? Um, we had a, uh, we had a friend who, a very close friend of ours who was in the military, uh, he was in the Navy and he, um, his ship during fleet week was, uh, docked in, excuse me, at the Alameda Naval Air Station, which is about 15 minutes away from uh, Oakland. So we drove over there with some friends to actually pick him up off the ship. And we looked up and we saw the words enterprise. Now, where the SS came from is um, my original surname began with the letter S. My best friend's name began with the letter S. So we just decided to take the two S's and connect it to Enterprise. And that's how we came up with SS Enterprise. We weren't even thinking about Star Trek at the time. Um, we were thinking of something more urban and something more, more close to home. Um, so that's why we chose that name. And then when we chose a third member, it just so happened his last name also began with the letter S. So rather than add another S and throw it off, we just stayed with that name. So that's how we came up with the name. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for the information. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now, changing a little bit the subject. And okay. We know that looking good was a very important part of Boogaloo and dance back then? Yes, and yes. Where did your guys and the groups from the Bay Area <clears throat> took inspiration for the clothing? And how did it work in groups to decide what were the dressing code for the showcases and for the the presentations? Um, <clears throat> things were done a lot differently back then. Um, when we did stage shows, it was about learning how to produce. Um, so we weren't just dancers. We were entertainers and we learned the entire gamut. So we learned stage, we learned lighting, we learned how to use props, uh, fashion, and a lot of it was self-taught. Uh, we didn't have money to, uh, take classes or have mentors or people to teach us if for some reason an individual you know, share things with us, then, then that's kind of how we learn. So it was kind of trial by error, trial by fire. Um, the style came mostly from the styles that were happening during the late 60s going into the early 70s. Um, one of the most important props um, was the hat. And you have one, one, yes. Uh, the hat of choice back then, there were two. There was the um, beaver, 5X Beaver and the uh, Stetson. Um, so those have always been staples throughout this dance from the beginning you know, to the end, because as we brought um, posing into, into the art form, um, posing was a lighter form of hitting. Hitting was a much harder. So with uh, posing, what we noticed is when you posed, when you stopped, the hat would rock just a tiny bit. It was like a buzz. So every time you, Boom, 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 boom. The hat would buzz each time. And so that added to the illusion of the movement that you were doing at that particular time. So the hat was the most important thing. Now, in terms of being at like social gatherings, parties, dances, it was whatever the actual fashion was at that time. But when we got ready to do stage performing and we learned about staging and lighting, your blue lights, your strobe lights, your, um, your hot ice machines, you know, things of that nature, 
we learned a little bit more about how things illuminate under certain lighting. Um, and it gets a little, a little technical, but um, we also learned a lot from just watching a lot of the, a lot of the dance groups, I'm sorry, a lot of the singing groups that were on television. And, you know, depending on what message we wanted to convey, uh, that's what the uniform was. Um, some of it was um, tuxedos, um, maybe all white, maybe black and white, maybe blue. Uh, and if, if we started to lean more towards doing skits, uh, like scenes from horror movies, um, space age things, then uh, everything got a little bit more graphic. And so you saw a lot more of that with groups like the Black Messengers and um, the Black Resurgence, uh, Granny and the Robotroids, Derek and Company, um, you know, those groups, um, they started to get into more theme type, you know, costumes. So um, it all varied, but uh, most of our influences came from just random things that we watched and random things that we saw. Um, and it just added to the, the whole creative flavor of the whole thing. Nice, nice. And actually my next question would be about it. And mm -hmm. we're talking about in, in, inspirations and influences. Yes. And mm -hmm. we would like to know about how was your family upbringing and education and another influences you had like TV shows, movies, other mm -hmm. dancers, other artists, like how, how it all contributed to to influence in your in your art okay um i i want to go back to 1965 because 1965 was the very first time i ever saw robot uh it was on television and it was a movie featuring a robot by the name of tobar, tobar. and i forget the name of the actual movie but that was the very first time i ever saw robot on television uh, seeing it performed was when I moved over to Oakland uh, in elementary school, and I started seeing it that way. Um, in terms of my upbringing, uh, I was born in 1959, coming up in the 60s and the 70s, very, very turbulent times, especially in the Bay Area. Um, there's a lot of history and a lot of culture here, um, sports, entertainment, politics, art, you name it here. A lot of movements, um, the Black Panther movement, the Black Power struggle, the hippie revolution, many of the marches, war on uh, Vietnam, um, just many, many different things happening right here. Uh, we live minutes away from uh, UC Berkeley, um, the University of San Francisco, San Francisco State. So there was so much of that going on here. Um, I come from a very underprivileged, underserved neighborhood. Um, poor education. Um, the economy was, was very bad back then. Um, unemployment was very high. Lack of jobs. Um, police brutality. Um, a lot of the social injustices that are going on now went on back then. The only difference is now they're, they're they have cameras, so so now they can show more of it. Um, and I would venture to say that it was probably harsher back then because no one could see it. It was a lot of it was done uh, in the dark. So there was a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of frustration. So um, getting involved in this art form really saved my life. Many of the people that I know, you know, who actually got involved in it. Um, this art, much most like much like any urban art, um, it's a voice. It's an expression uh, with movement, sound, and music, um, telling stories. Um, it sounds a lot like hip hop because to be truthful, it, it is a lot like hip hop. Well, I should say hip hop is a lot like us because we're like 10, 10, 12 years prior to. Um, so uh, it was a means of expression, but also a means of, of escape. Um, my father passed away when I was very young, so uh, my mom was a single parent, and um, 
So she set about the business of um, making sure that we had strong male role models, um, whether they be uncles, school counselors, parks and rec directors. Um, we had the YMCA. Uh, so there were a whole lot of social activities sponsored through Parks and Rec, which was a saving grace connected to the dance, because if it were not for that, uh, many times we wouldn't have a place to uh, practice, rehearse, and perform sometimes, or just hang out in order to stay out of trouble. So it was very vital to the communities that I was raised in. Um, I, be I believe overall, as good parents, you know, good parents do the best they can with what they have. Um, and uh, I think you got to have some intestinal fortitude and want more for yourself. So this dance sort of provided that, you know, vehicle um, for me uh, and many of those that I know, um, you know, who got involved. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, I'm extremely passionate about it. And although I can't perform it uh, on the level that I used to, um, I enjoy very much talking about it. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, keeping the, the subject about mm -hmm. influences and how your background mm -hmm. shape it or mm -hmm. the make of your art, mm -hmm. I would like to ask what songs were playing on when you guys were on active? Wow. And how did you guys would do the choices for the for the performance for the music for your performances? Like there were some rules, or mm -hmm. you guys would pick anything that was more popular. How how would it work? Well, most of it was a most of it was top forty. Uh, whatever was hot at the time. I mean, each individual person, being creative in their own right, would choose um, a record. Um, that was comp that was comparable to the style that they were doing at the time or, you know, creating routines, whether they wanted it to be a little slower, whether they wanted it to be a little faster. Um, Oakland was a city that was in search of an identity uh, because we were mired in a lot of um, a lot of um, social and uh, economic issues. So it was the combination of the Black Panther movement along with James Brown. And they, they both collided at the same time. So um, the Black Panther movement gave us the pride and the strength and the power. And James Brown gave us the funk. So those two colliding is what gave Oakland its identity. So all the way from, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of rebel-like. So all the way from dance to the sports teams to the music that comes out of here, there's a there's a rebel kind of feel to it all, um, a renegade. So um, so our music, of course, because we came up during the uh, funk era, uh, most anything that was popping during the funk era, you had James Brown, you had Parliament Funkadelic, uh, you had the Daz Band, you had oh just many to that we can speak of and um it was funk and actually disco because you, you can't mention funk without disco because the two actually collide and many of the records that we were performing to that they've been thought to be funk were actually disco because uh, you had funk you had funk performers who were trying to throw their hat into the disco arena so they sort of delved into that like vice versa so most anything, I mean, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Average White Band, Wild Cherry, um, Isley Brothers, Brass Construction, Earth, Wind & Fire, um, Ohio Players, um, gosh, uh, Lakeside, it's just, just numerous records, numerous hits. The thing is, is that one of the things that precipitated groups was because the average funk record back then was probably about four minutes long. And very few solo performers back then could sustain and not do the same move twice over a four plus minute period of time. So, you know, when you break that up with a group of four, you know, it, it's, it's kind of easier to, you know, pull it off, giving each person 30 seconds to come out and do their, you know, solo thing. Um, so it, it, it's... Um, 
whatever the social music was, whatever was, you know, hot, that's kind of what we were doing back then. That was our influences in terms of, of music. And, and, and in terms of choosing, it was each individual, you know, whatever you felt like you wanted to do at that time, um, you know, then that's what you used. My, our favorite record to perform off of was a record by James Brown. It's called Can't Take It With You Over to the Promised Land. Uh, it's really fast, up-tempo, nowhere near the speed of the music that's being, that popping is being um, performed to, but it was one of the fastest that we had out of time. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. And, well, we're getting to another subject now. Okay. I would like to ask, after all these years of Oakland not getting enough recognition, mm -hmm. how does to see some light being shed on your contribution and what do you hope for the people of Oakland and their contribution in the future? Um, there's a narrative that's been going on for years um, between Los Angeles and Oakland and everyone has their version of what it is and it's, it's too long, too varied, too much information to actually try and get into. But the distinction of the creators of this art uh, slipped from here and went down to Southern California. And for me, ultimately, I would love to see that distinction come back here, you know, to Oakland. Um, I'm grateful that we're finally getting recognition. Um, I've been at this thing or some semblances of it for about 50 years. And I'm actually grateful to to guys like yourself because we literally and we most of the, a lot of the OGs get together and we talk about this. We literally had to wait for you guys to be born in order for things to happen the way that they are happening now. Because we not only had we not only didn't have the technology or the means, uh, we didn't have the business savvy, you know, to make it happen. So um, I'm I'm eternally grateful. Um, and it's really important at this stage because most of us are in our early to mid sixties and some older, uh, most of, a lot of us have actually passed on. So, um, I think it's important, you know, that the flowers be given while the individual can actually smell them and, you know, enjoy them. So, um, ultimately what I would like to see happen, especially in my home is, um, I would like to see, um, a creative arts center built. Um, and have a wing of that center dedicated to this particular art form. Um, and have, um, just like they have the uh, Walk of Fame in um, Hollywood, I'd like to see something like that done um, for as many dancers as possible, you know, from the beginning and just have it go on and on and on and on. Um, and just recognize, you know, some of the artists who aren't here to, to um, live this, you know, um, um, you know, and that's my biggest thing. Oakland is broken up into three areas. You have East, West, and North. I'm from West Oakland. And I'd like to have the center built in West Oakland because West Oakland is more of the center of town. It's easily accessible. Um, I'm also thankful for you guys, especially for the technology, because now um, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, if they ever want to know about their great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and his contribution, you know, to this art, now they have a place that they can go and find that the information is actually documented. So uh, longevity, lineage, and um, legacy uh, are very important. Um, but the history of the art is probably, you know, the most important thing in making sure that it's recorded. So for me, um, the greatest part of my thanks really and truly does go to you guys, you know, for that. So, you know, I appreciate it. Yeah, and just, I'll just get a second to say that we are eternally grateful for the foundations you guys laid for us. Thank you. And <clears throat> since you, you talked a lot about some of the social injustice that was happening back then, that, mm -hmm. that is happening now, Yes. And what barriers are Boogaloo's facing now for the art as an as artists and also as contributor, mm -hmm. personally speaking? Mm -hmm. And 
how people can be of service and aid you guys in this in all these questions um i think that one of the biggest barriers is that because of the time in the era that we started this art form um we didn't understand that we were involved in something that was going to continue so I, I think that had we known that we were going to have to stand in front of people and explain what this thing was, we would have been much greater keepers of the flame. So the struggle that we have right now is the fact that we have probably little to no video. So on a scale of one to 100, probably 10% of what we have is video. So what's left to tell the story is still shots and the originals you know who were there so one of the things we run into when speaking to the younger generation is and they're just products and you guys are products of your era but one of the first questions is let me see video and they don't understand that first of all we handheld video cameras weren't around cell phones weren't around and those who did have video um had um sponsors management who could afford to have crews and teams to actually film them but the majority of us didn't have that. And so there's a difference between being the, the most popular and being the best. And I don't argue either. I just know that there's an actual difference. And I will say that a, the, a lot of the best never got seen. And so I think one of the barriers is building a bridge between the old and the new and sustaining that bridge and understanding that we truly both need each other. Because going, because we, we know that we didn't create this, this, these movements. We know that we didn't do that. Uh, this comes well before we were ever born. Um, and it has, and it evolved to the place of the sixties and the seventies where we got a hold to it and put our spin on it. And then from there, it went on and on and on and on. And history tends to repeat itself. And there's nothing new under the sun. And we're 100% in understanding of that. Um, but what we want to be able to do is know that from a creative standpoint, anytime you want to be creative, at some point going forward, everything will begin to look the same because you can't connect the dots because they haven't been created yet. So if you're trying to find some semblances of creativity, you, you have to go backwards. It's so what I see this dance, what it's our form doing, as I find it, I see it now starting to go backwards. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a great thing uh, because uh, as, as a whole, um, you have to mature with your audience and they themselves will start to say things like, you know, everybody's beginning to, you know, kind of look, you know, the same, where do we go for creativity? So it, that's what we're here for. Yeah. With you guys, you, 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 you see, I'm grateful because you, you don't, when you guys go out and you, and you do what you do, you don't have to say anything about us. You don't have to mention us. You're not obligated to do that. So that's where the gratefulness comes in. But that's also where the bridge needs to come, be built and be solid because we act, we both, we both need each other. You, you, you need us for the history. We need you for the continued evolution. And for me, it's all creative. It's all creativity. So, you know, I love it all. I hope that I hope that answers your 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 uh, question. That that answers my question very well. And mm -hmm. that also leads us to our next question. Mm -hmm. and, well, since we're talking about building building a bridge from the mm -hmm. past, future, mm -hmm. and Oakland legacy and contribution, mm -hmm. I had one question for you. Yes. Is the new word to describe what, what the Boogaloo's were already doing back in the 60s and the 70s? Mm -hmm. And I want to know your thoughts about, about it, about this new word, about people renaming it. And how do you feel about this dance today, about what, his, what this dance has become today? Um, when I first heard the word popping being used um as an og it i have to admit that it was somewhat 
offensive. But I had to also understand and embrace this thing called evolution because uh, popping is just an evolved form of boogaloo. Um, and they're both creative in their own right because if you've got 50, if you've got a view of only 15 minutes of something and you take that 15 minutes and you parlay it into a style or multiple styles, that alone takes creativity. So the one thing that I've always been very careful about is not ostracizing and taking away credit from a creative standpoint because it takes creativity on both sides. Um, I think where a lot of the OGs are bothered is that going forward, um, we, we, di we, didn't, we didn't get the recognition um, financially or any other kind of way. So there were ways that we weren't able to take advantage of the art, which for me is the reason why I want the distinction of the creative piece of it to come back here. Because although we as OGs might not be able to take advantage of it as performers, but as teachers and as educators, we might be able to bring in that next generation who might want to learn the art from its grassroots and not start at the point of say popping. Um, although they're evolved versions, there are distinct differences. Um, for me, because I see it as art, it's all creative for me. So I actually love it all. For me, one of the greater differences is that popping creates illusion using speed. Funk music was a slower brand of music. So for us, the illusion came with a slower, more deliberate movement and it was eclipsed with um, a stop that either became pose, stopping on the dime or hitting. And they're actually all under one umbrella, but they're three different things. Um, the Boogaloo, what makes Boogaloo really hard to teach is that Boogaloo is not a specific set of movements. Boogaloo is the umbrella. And there could be 50 different things under that umbrella. So when someone gets a narrative that this is what Boogaloo looks like, 90% of the time it's incorrect because it's, it's all of it. There's so many different things. And we didn't use the word style back then. There was no such thing as styles. We used, we used the word movements. So it became styles when popping came into the fray. So you had all these things under one umbrella uh, and to be able to teach it, they started to dismantle the umbrella one movement at a time. Where the creativity came in was to take that one movement and turn it into a style. Now, I can't say that everyone, you know, in my era thinks this way about it, but I, that's the way that I feel about it. Um, and I think for the history and the longevity of the art uh, to continue, um, what you do is not supposed to look like what I do. It's not supposed to. Um, in fact, greater things are you to do with it than we ever did with it. And that's exactly what you're doing. So it, that's, it's important again, you know, for the embracing to actually take place and understand that we both, you know, need each other. I'm excited about the history of it because um, I see that it's sort of coming back to incorporate more. And I think that that is going, sometimes in order to go forward, you have to, you have to, you have to step back and pull a little bit of history forward in order to continue going forward so that it doesn't dry up, it doesn't look the same. Let me just say this, dance is, dance is the least respected art in entertainment, yet it's the most profitable. Every advertiser is using some form of facsimile of this art form to promote and advertise products. Everywhere you see, you see something that connects to this art. So for me, that's where the pride of it all, you know, comes in. So what we have to understand is that we're, we're all dancers. We, it's, it's our culture. This is, this is ours and it's homegrown. This wasn't something we learned in a studio, this wasn't something we paid someone to teach us. It was, it was birthed from the soil 
and each generation took what was happening on the soil that they come from and they incorporated into their movements. And it's our generation, yours, the next, the next, and it will continue to be that way. It's been commercialized and we haven't been able to capitalize. None of us have been able to capitalize on it fully. That's the hope one day that that will someday happen is that we will be able to you know, capitalize on it. So um, that's, that's how I say it. I'm extremely proud of what you guys do. Um, I, um, it took me about a year to really embrace it all because when I came back into this, I had never heard the word popping. I had never seen the movements and, 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 and all of this because I was totally away doing something completely different. So to see that it is, has involved, evolved into what it has, um, I'm, I'm impressed because you guys do things that we could never have thought of doing. After about two minutes, we'd be winded in the whole nine, even being young people. So, you know, I love it. Um, by the way, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. And mm -hmm. well, getting in still in the subject, I would like to know because you said before that you guys sometimes didn't have any, not even a place to practice. Yes. And I know it's a generation thing. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. So I would like to know. How did you guys share the knowledge? Like, how did you guys use it to teach each other or to get to know new movements and to get new ideas from each other? How, how this process would, would happen? Well, all of those concepts that you're speaking of are, are very new concepts. Those concepts came in with popping. Um, this art was very prideful. It was very competitive and it was very territorial. This is why if you, if you could survey the art form called Boogaloo, um, you hardly ever saw two dancers that danced alike because the sharing of information, let me say it like this, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, any competitive sport, because dancing was our sport. It didn't mean that many of us didn't play other sports, but dancing was our sport. So we trained and practiced just like any other athlete would. Um, the goal of making sure that no one got a hold of what you were doing was to, to not share it and to not teach it. Now, if you had a group, of course, you wanted everybody to be uniformed in their movements while you were doing group step. In terms of solo, you got that information by going to events where other dancers were going to be. And the goal was never to look like anybody. So if you saw someone doing something, this dance got to where it is because people stole from one another. Let's just be real about it. But the goal was to not make what you do look like what they did. Um, oftentimes, again, because of the time and the era, not only did we not have places to practice, a lot of us didn't even have mirrors that we could look into to, to actually perfect. So it was up to us being self-contained in a, a group or a best friend who did the same thing you did to sort of critique you. I'll give you a perfect example. When you guys have battles, um, your battles um, are very um, organized. So you, you have a DJ, you have an announcer and the DJ it, it will, you have uh, two dancers and the announcer will say, okay, nah, nah you have so many minutes to do your thing. And then when you're done, this person will do their thing. And, and that's a battle. We didn't, do our, we didn't do our battles like that. Our battles were nothing like that. They weren't organized to that degree at all. Basically, you could be at a house party and your, 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 your calling card was the hat on your head. So if you walked in the door and you had on a beaver or a Stetson, they knew right away that you were a boogaloo. Oh. And so oftentimes battles would start with either someone announcing that this person's party, these two people are going to go against each other, or, but 90% of the time they were very random. So you come to the party and you might be dancing with a girl and your favorite song come on. And if you turn, if you saw your uh, adversary on the other side of the room, if you turn to him and hit and, and, and point it, then you called him out. And, and when you point it, you point it to the center of the room. So the two of you would start creeping towards each other to the center of the room 
and the circle would form around you. And you guys went at it. So no one had to say back up or move because as you moved, the circle would enlarge. The closer you got, the circle would shrink. So, and you went at each other at the same time. So then begs the question, how could you determine a winner? Well, we did. We did that. Winners were determined. Let me see. Reputations were earned and lost. Um, you know, doing it that way. And, and trust me, if if the event took place on a Friday or a Saturday night, by Monday morning, everybody everywhere knew either you won or you lost. We still had telephones, <laughs> so of people who were from different schools or at different places. And then we were really good at giving events in centralized locations, huge, massive talent shows where people could come out of their communities to one centralized location um, and see these you know, performances and sometimes see these battles. So um, we, 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 we were products of our time and our era and we got it done that way. The mass, doing it in mass is what you guys you know, have the advantage of because you know, social media, you know, cameras, you know, video, you know, all of that. Um, so um, that was kind of how things, you know, were done. Um, and it's, it, it was a beautiful thing. If I had to trade places, times and eras, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't. The only, the only thing that I would trade is the visibility um, and the amount of exposure. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, using these these last questions, mm -hmm. I, I would like to ask something else. Okay. Do you feel the current popping scene recognizes the boogaloos enough, or do you think they could do something more? Do you think we could work harder on this? Um. To be truthful, Marco, I think both sides need to work harder. And, and I'm just being honest, because I think sometimes as, as OGs, sometimes we can come across sounding like bitter old men. Um, and the truth of the matter is, is that we are bitter and we are old men <laughs> because, you know, we, we oftentimes we become that way because of, because of looking at what what looking at you guys and seeing what we started and what we created but not being able to actually benefit from that. Um, and some believe that if nothing else, there's there's a debt owed. And I I don't know that it's a debt. I think that it's I think that honor is different than debt. You know, um, I think it all comes down to an actual choice. And I think that if there's mutual respect between the the two um, that, it, you know, I think everybody can be satisfied with the outcome. Um, I think that we could make ourselves more accessible, um, you know, to the younger generation. I think that the younger generation, I don't want the younger generation to show interest uh, and not really be interested. I want them to show interest because they truly are because we don't want anybody feeling sorry for us. Um, and so I just, I believe that it takes two, you know. Um, you, you, your generation is just the future. And I think for us, in order for our legacy to continue to, to grow and for this thing to never die, um, we, we have to embrace what you do. And honorably, from a historical you know, place, um, you know, it would be nice for you guys to you know, participate more and, and sort of helping to, you know, build that bridge and to make it more solid. So, um, so we promise not to come off like grumpy old men. Um, <laughs> if you guys don't see us as grumpy old men, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, but specifically, um, I don't, I don't know that you, I don't know that you're not doing enough. You know, I, I just, I kind of think that things will continue to evolve the way that they are supposed to. Um, I don't know that we will ever get the exposure or, or be able to profit or benefit from, from, 
from our creation the way that you guys are. And to be truthful about it, we're not supposed to. We're just, we're just not supposed to because, I mean, you, you guys took it to another level and, and ultimately greater things are you to do with it than us. So for me, it makes sense that it, you know, with each generation, it's going to get greater and greater and it's going to look more and more different. Um, you know, I can't look at you and say, oh, because you don't do it like we did, that's not a real thing. Well, Boogaloo is not just a dance. Boogaloo is a time and an era. And so it's not just about learning the movements. And so I, I'm asked this question many times, can I be a Boogaloo? And I don't wanna crush anyone's confidence or make anyone feel bad, but my thing with it is this, you can learn the movements, but unless you were there um, at the infancy of this and you went through all of the struggle and everything that was poured into the soil that is encompassed in the art, it's, it's hard to say that you are a boogaloo. Now, unless the word popping goes out of style, it may be different for popping because you're, we had a, a 10 year run from 1969 to probably 1978, 77, 78 was the most popular run of boogaloo. And it was the most effective, but it was the shortest run of any other style of dance that has come after it. And I mean, street dancing. So, um, no, I, I, I don't think that you guys are doing, I don't think that you, it's not that you're not doing enough. I mean, things like this prove it. And I've, I've also witnessed some of the other interviews that you guys have done. Um, Boogaloo Dana, who's a, who's a dear friend of mine, we go way back since junior high school and um, Kearney from the um, Messengers, you know, um, I've had a chance to see those too. Um, and you guys did excellent jobs, you know, there. So. I, I, I don't know that you can do any more than what you're doing, um, you know, um, and I'm, you know, I'm grateful, you know, for that, you know, absolutely. Um, I think sometimes we, we might be able to be a little bit more gracious in our approach to things. I'm talking about my generation, um, but again, you know, we're in our, we're in our 60s, some of us in our 70s. And I think the greater thing they want is, you know, recognition and just to understand that, you know, we, we're, we are somebody, even though, Many of us can't do this thing anymore. And I didn't expect us to be able to. Um, so I enjoy watching you guys do it. It's a lot safer, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. well, talking about this evolution, like I said, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. not supposed to be the same. And right. it, it became something else. Yes. It was to become something else. Mm -hmm. It probably becomes something else in the future. Yes, yes. But talk a little bit about the styles or movements that you guys were doing back then and that you guys can see we're doing now an evolved form of them. I don't know if I phrase it. Yes, well. you did. You did. Most everything that I see you guys do, as, I mean, for, for and, 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 and I'm not the only one, and I'm not saying all of us can see it, but most everything I see you do, I see I, I see the evolved form. Um, we're the tree. And the way that you can identify a tree is by its branches. So if we're an oak tree, you can't pick up a pine tree branch and connect it to an oak tree because it doesn't fit. So we're the, we're the tree, you guys are the branches. So in most everything I see you do, I see evolved versions of what we've, of what we've done. Uh, I can watch someone dance and within a matter of seconds, sometimes maybe less than a minute, I can see things that we were doing back then that you guys call something else. Now, I'm not versed in, the, in, the, in a lot of what you call the movements, but um, I mean, I can go back as far and start with this thing called backsliding or moonwalking, which, you know, Michael Jackson got credit for um, and he was taught. Um, the, what Michael Jackson did was not the moonwalk. It's a, the moonwalk is a completely different dance. It's, I'm sorry, it's a completely different move. Um, we called it levitating because it looked like you were walking on air. So that's how, that's what we called it. Now, the Nicholas brothers back in the thirties, you were the first I ever saw do it. So, you know, it evolved into how we did it. And then when Michael got a hold of it, there was a name change. Um, 
popping is there's three forms you have you had posing stopping on the dime and then you had hitting and hitting was the harder hit kearney mayors from the black messengers is probably more responsible for the hard hitting him and john murphy um dime stop was derek of derek and company that was his baby posing was universal that everybody started out doing um i see that as being somewhat similar um the body control aspect in terms of where the hit comes from when it comes to posing when it comes to hitting and popping are different um but most every most everything else um body separation um animation dinosaur vibrate um just to name a few um um uh, strutting you know the arm swinging you know the body movements the wiggle the head roll you know the hopping one of the gentlemen i mentioned um at the very beginning that i'm going to honor um his name is kenny chambers um kenny chambers was given his given credit for the hop and everybody at the beginning called it the kenny chambers hop uh because he was the one that he was the one who sort of started that and it it's been a few moves have been staples throughout this entire history and lineage of this art. So um, it would be hard for me to name what you guys call it or what you guys do. Um, but for me, I, I see most everything that we did. I see it in most everything that you guys do. The only difference is, is that you are able to create illusion with speed. For us with, you know, funk music, you have to, you have to learn how to sit in the funk and you have to learn how to eclipse it with, you know, stopping. Um, and in fact, dime stop is not even a dance term. Um, you know, dime stop is actually a race car, a racing car term. Um, race car, there were a lot of street race, uh, a lot of drag racing on the streets back in the 50s. Uh, and some of the competition was to put a coin on the ground and go at a certain speed and see if the car can stop where the tire was on top of the dime, didn't roll past the dime. So that's where the word dime stop came from. So it's it's the precision and the stopping. It's not the creation of the word. A lot of the terminology we didn't we didn't create. Cool, cool. That I, yeah. I love to learn about where these names came from. Mm -hmm. And I have one last question, but mm -hmm. first ask if Future has some on the okay. on the following us. Okay. If he didn't have any, I have one last question that I would like to, to make. Okay. Let me see if he can, he can send something for us. No. He said, no, nope, all good here. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, you said before about some of the struggles and even that to be an original Boogaloo, to be a Boogaloo, you have mm -hmm. to be there and mm -hmm. live all these struggles and through everything. Mm -hmm. But I have one question that with all this wisdom that these struggles and these experience taught you, mm -hmm. do you have anything to tell from this experience for the new generation? Um, yes. The first thing is is that this this is an art form and it's it really is an honor to know how to do this because unlike social dancing or social dances most everyone can do social dances because it's it's the end thing just like whatever music is in at the time most everyone can do social dances this art takes a gift and understand that if everyone could do, although there's a many people that can do this dance if everyone could do it it wouldn't be considered art it'd be there'd be nothing to set it apart from everything else so it really is an art the second thing i'd like to say is never love yourself in the art always love the art in you and if you remember that you'll always seek to be creative. You always seek to be creative. The minute you start to believe your own press, 
fame creeps in and fame is a drug and it's just as addicting as anything else that you might get involved in. So to maintain the passion, um, just make sure you don't start loving yourself in the art. You always love the art in you. Um, yeah. Great, great. Thank you so much, so much for being here. And thank, thank you. you. All the wisdom that you shared with us, like for me, mm -hmm. just to be able to be here and talk to you and learn so much is a crazy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And well, everybody, this was Boogaloo Bill from SS Enterprise, straight from Oakland to the Funky Focus Dance and Dialogue podcast. Thank you, everybody. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you, sir.